Hello and welcome to Willosophy with Will Anderson. My name is Podcast Mike. Just stepping in at the top here to do the intro this week. And our guest today on this Friday catch-up episode of Willosophy is Sam Mack. His second appearance on the show. His first appearance was actually back in September 2019, a while ago now. And now Sam Mack is back with a new book, Accidental Weatherman, which is out now at the time of you listening to this episode. This is a really great chat and it was a it was an absolute pleasure uh, listening to this. Sam talks about uh, his career, essentially, as an accidental weatherman. Uh, who came up with the title for his book, Accidental Weatherman, as well as uh, elaborating and expanding a little bit on some of the the deeper themes that he discussed in his original chat with Will uh, a couple years ago. If you haven't heard Sam's first episode on Willosophy, I highly recommend you go back up your feed and uh, go and check that episode out. That one was great. This one is great. Will is also doing some shows in Wagga Wagga in June, uh, Saturday the 12th of June and Sunday the 13th of June at the Wagga Wagga Civic Theatre. So go and get tickets to that. Support this show, patreon.com slash willosophy. If we can hit a consistent $5,000 a month, we will do two episodes of Willosophy, one original episode and one catch-up like this one today, every week. Uh, so please donate there. Check out our other shows, Tofop, Two Guys, One Cup, and AFL Podcast, and of course, Fofop. And just a quick flag before we get into the episode, there are some discussions and sensitive themes around suicide in this episode. So please, if anything raises issues for you in this podcast, the best number for you to reach out to is Lifeline on 13 11 14. Thank you so much again for listening and for supporting the show. Without further ado, let's get into this fantastic chat with Sam Mack on Willosophy. Hello and welcome to Philosophy with Will Anderson. I'm Will Anderson from the title of the podcast. The podcast had already started in an unofficial sense because uh, today's guest and I were just having a natter that I thought, you know what, why don't we just start rolling on these microphones and we can get into it. You know how the show starts because you've been here before, my friend. Uh, Who are you? My name is Sam Mack and I'm an accidental weatherman, which is also a plug for my book. (laughs) Boom, I'm away. You know, this is what I like about you, Sam Mack. You've learned very well that there's no point to, you know, you are very much from the ABP school of always be plugging. And like, (laughs) you rep your life like a a hip hop star. That's what I like about you. I ain't playing, man. You're not playing. And I can imagine you having some sort of like diamond grill that like, you know, when you smiled... It just spelled out accidental weatherman. <laughs> like Anthony the Blue Wiggle. You know, he's got a gold tooth. You know, Anthony the Blue Wiggle, who I love. Yeah. And I've been lucky enough to work with him on a few things. He has a gold tooth, like a gangster rapper, but he's a children's entertainer. I love it. Now, what I'm going to ask you to do today, Sam Mack, if you don't mind, is uh, put the microphone a little closer to your face because we are in this. Um, uh, tiny, How embarrassing. I'm being schooled on mic technique. Tiny, well, by me, which <laughs> yeah. is. That's I've heard a, your podcast. Almost, yeah, almost insulting, isn't <laughs> the it? The ones that recorded. <laughs> well, this is what, what's impossible 
to hear the ones that didn't record. By the no, way, I heard you rant about the ones that didn't record. Yeah, I actually had to re-record one in this room yesterday with Declan Fay. Oh no, and he understands because he's a fellow podcaster what it's like to lose a podcast. But ironically, in the previous podcast we did, we had a discussion about the fact that you're not a real podcaster until you lose a podcast, and then I lost that podcast, or more accurately, I lost my side of the podcast, oh. and his side was perfectly fine. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we're in a small empty room yeah. and acoustically, uh, it'll be better if the microphones are just no a little problem. closer or we'll get a nice, very Sam Mack uh, announcing sort of rally cars sort of vibe. <laughs> uh, you are the Accidental Weatherman. You have a new book. It is called... Is it called The or Accidental Weatherman? Accidental Weatherman. Did you consider putting a The in Initially, the Initially, I... So they... Well, Lee Sales mm. named the book, interestingly enough. Okay. So I was Good. chatting with Lee on... So this is... There's a little bit of backstory Doing here. a sunrise course. Lee <laughs> <laughs> just popped out in the Never morning. Never available for us on she sunrise. Was down in Martin Place, running by the back of Holding sunrise. a sign, I love Koshi. Um, Lee gave me a beautiful plug on her podcast yes. uh, with Annabelle Crabb a few years back. And I was described as her guilty pleasure, as oh. in she would enjoy my social media content. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, he does silly things. You know, he's a bit of an idiot, but for mm-hmm. some reason he makes me laugh or smile every day, mm-hmm. which was a beautiful compliment. It's and kind I'm, of the area that you like to work in. Yeah, really, it is. It? That's, that's my shtick. Like, it's good that Lee Sales recognizes this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was obviously flattered by that because yeah. I'm a fan of hers. I've read her book, which I thought was brilliant. Um, Most so, her, mostly her online comedy stuff. Though, right? <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. Her sketches. <laughs> Um, her song parodies She is actually a musician And so from there We kind of struck up A little bit of an Instagram friendship mm-hmm. And at that time I was working on the book And I was telling her A bit about it Because I'd read her book Quite around that time And she asked If I had a title And at that point I didn't have a title And she just Within seconds said What about Accidental Weatherman So that was literally Just off the top of her head And I liked it It sounded interesting to me There was a bit of intrigue about it And it also says what I am Because I never planned Or set out to be This might shock you But I never studied meteorology Will Well I I am very familiar with this Because like I was working with you uh, uh, on radio and uh, you know not only did you not know the weather you didn't know the traffic you'd often play traffic just three days before so when you started getting the sunrise gig well, I was just like well he's clearly on a Friday going to be doing Tuesday's weather you won't be able to trust any of this in my defence the M2 was always busy and backed up in Sydney um, so Lee gave me the title I think I chucked the the in there mm-hmm. so for the first few weeks the first month or so the publisher had called it The Accidental Weatherman then as we got closer, I realised that Australians abbreviate everything mm. anyway. You know, the Melbourne cricket ground becomes mm. the G, really. Right. So like, everything is shortened. So I just thought, lose the the, which was, you know, a big thing to make that call. And now it's just accidental weatherman. Okay, I like that. So um, here's what I'm going to just bring up, which I had completely forgotten until this moment. So you say that Lee Sales and you are Instagram friends, yeah. right? So does that mean you're still on Instagram? Yes. Yeah. So the reason that I can't get your Instagram is that you have blocked me on Instagram. Are you serious? Every time I try to look you up, it says that like you're not available. So I was like, the only explanation, because I know that you're on Instagram, because Amy like follows you on Instagram, but you have blocked me on Instagram. This is really strange. I've had a couple of people tell me that I've blocked them, yeah. which is a really awkward conversation. Particularly- like the real weird one for me too, because I'm like, what would I, I have possibly done that Sam would... I'm, I'm a pretty... Like, what, you finally got offended by the fact that I was putting Tofop art up or something? Like- yeah, I hate that false dyke. I've always hated him. Um, I I didn't know that. So I, I was hacked 
in 2018. It's in the book. Yeah, it's in the book. There's a chapter on it. And it was was a really scary experience because I lost control of all of my social media accounts Mm. except my cat Coco's account. (laughs) And whoever hacked it was posting ISIS Mm. flags, which is very off-brand for me. So um, I, I think that the hacking may have somehow unfollowed some people. I don't know how or who it was selecting. Not unfollowed, blocked. Blocked? (laughs) Well, because when I try to access you, it pretends you don't exist. And I'm like, I don't trust your Instagram. I know he fucking exists. I can pick up my girlfriend's phone and have a look on her phone and see quite clearly that he exists. So don't you be pretending to me. Now I'm going to have to block Amy. Oh, (laughs) jeez. Um, okay, well, if we achieve anything yeah. today, I will unblock Please you. Please do. If this goes well at the end of the podcast. Oh, thank, oh, that's, it's on, well, I mean, I'm not that fast one way or the other. It's just occasionally. You I'm brought like, it up. I might try to support something of yours, really. That's normally what it is. I'm like, you know what? I'll give him a retweet for his... Oh, blocked. That's right. Sorry. Can't, can't help. I Sam, don't know man. how that's happened. I, honestly, I'm, I'm blown away by that, but I'll fix that. Uh, okay, the story of the accidental weatherman. I'm very interested in the accidental career because um you know i think that this is probably one of the great things about the book the book's really fantastic by the way i haven't had a chance to look like do an in-depth read but they sent me a a copy a day or two ago and so i had a good chance to sort of flick through one of my favorite things is when there's a whole chapter where you list all the various like things that you've just got to do (laughs) and that you would never possibly do unless you were an accidental weatherman all these incredible life experiences yeah like being rope tied to larry emder like bungee jumping on my first day of the job well rope tied to larry emder is probably the one that you could have done socially but (laughs) other than that there are so many experiences Mm. that you just never would have had in your life unless you'd been thrust into this job is there some like immediate ones that stick like that, that have been in some way life-changing to you that you never would have attempted tried visited talked to that person if your life had gone on without this weather job yeah so much of the whole story the whole five years in the job has been like for example we did a thing called australia a to z where towns could you know pitch for us it was like you know pitch for us why we should come and visit your town and we didn't want to go to all of the regular known spots we wanted to go off the beaten track a little bit and we got to the letter X and realised there was literally one town in the whole of Australia that begins with the letter X. And what it's is that town? a place called Zantippe, spelled mm-hmm. X-A-N-T-I-P-P-E. And it's in WA, it's in the Wheat Belt. It's about a three and a half hour drive from Perth. So it's not the easiest place to get to. And if you go there, it's a population of 19 people. And literally all there is is a couple of farms, like you know, a few generations back of farmers. And then they've got a water tank and a rock. And that's it. There's no main street. There's no pub. There's no accommodation. So we had to stay at a nearby town, which was still about an hour away. And the problem with that was, so that was letter X. The previous day for W, we were in Wagga Wagga. Oh. So, so I mean, we... It can be tough to get out of Wagga Wagga, yeah. I've heard. Well, it was. So. Our flight was delayed out of Wagga Wagga. So remember... I would we're... say complain about it. Send a tweet. <laughs> That'll work out well. <laughs> So I'm doing a new comedy festival show on it uh, And I'm going to do it a few years in a row Because the fans love that (laughs) So we had to fly from Wagga to uh, Sorry, from Wagga to Sydney Fly from Sydney to Perth Then drive from Perth Three and a half hours into the wheat belt This is even one day of travel by the way So we got there at about I think it was maybe 1am And then because of the time difference in WA We were on air from 3.30am So there's basically no sleep And the amazing thing about this, so this is a prime example of somewhere that I would never have heard of, never have visited, but the job took me there. 
And we got there and there was about 120 people there. So local towns couldn't believe that anyone was going to Zantippi. So they were all coming there. We had people that had driven an hour and a half from like a nearby town just to be a part of it. And that was one of the highlights of my time in the job from this place that I will never go again. I never would have heard of it, but the job took me there. So there's lots of examples where you get these experiences. And, you know, the the people from the farm, the lovely old couple gave me like a a bouquet of wheat to take away, which I couldn't take on my flight. And that was that awkward moment of like, how do I discreet? put this yeah. in the bin but I mean, definitely you don't want this to get back yeah <laughs> like you don't want to be seen you know celebrity sam Mac stuffing town ceremonial bouquet of they wheat wrapped it really nicely a with bin. a ribbon and it's not like you can say oh no that's someone else's bouquet of wheat that definitely wasn't my bouquet of wheat <laughs> Um, so lots of examples like that and also people and that mm. really i think my job and the book is about people because <laughs> it's definitely not about the weather. <laughs> no. But that job isn't really about the weather. That's part of it, isn't it? Like this is the whole, your job is not about, like, I mean, the weather is the bit that you sometimes forget to even throw to. <laughs> A number of times. And Koshi has had to remind me. And it's embarrassing. It is really embarrassing because they've even said at the start of the segment, let's check your weather. Sam is in Zantippi and then I'll do my thing, you know, have a few lols, think I'm nailing it and then go see with more than half an hour. And there's an awkward few seconds and it's even longer because of the delay. Sam, <laughs> the weather. <laughs> But even if you break it down statistically, yeah. like let's say let's say in my my segment goes for mm. four minutes, right? Probably thirty or forty seconds of that is weather. So seventy percent, eighty percent of what I'm doing is not weather related. Of course, when there's a big weather event, which we've had a few, you know, lately with with floods or with bushfires last year, of course when there's safety involved and when it is a dominant news story that affects a lot of people, then I need to study up and I need to learn a bit about, okay, you want to pass on important and relevant and factual information, but that's only probably, you know, 10% of my time in the role. So it's mostly just- I was going to say, when that stuff happens too- they tend to just drop a reporter in a river. <laughs> which like, which I used to like take personally. I used to be you? a little bit offended by that. They should be dropping me in that river. Yeah. I should be the one standing yeah. in there as cars go by. I've got a waterproof jacket with a seven yeah. logo on it. Yeah, I'll get a children's choir down singing. They're underwater at the moment, but they are definitely singing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at, at first I was a little mm. bit like, oh, I, I thought I would, that's all right. They yep. can do it. That's fine. They gun for hire, bring mm. them in. But now I realize that, you know, the more that I do that, yeah. the more that it makes me available for it, the, the less time I have to go tap dancing in Canberra mm. or, or, you know, whatever else we're doing on that day. Yeah, exactly. Sam's tap dancing in Canberra. Now let's throw to a reporter in a river. <laughs> so this is an actual example and this is how I start the book. It's... There was a weather event. I think it was like a, a storm. It was a really extreme storm and it was like a once in 35 year storm, right, for, for New South Wales. And of course, you would expect the weatherman to be covering that. And I'm, this is like, this is pretty early on in me in the role as well. This is when I realized that they don't really care too much but about I am me not covering the weatherman. Yeah, yeah. Because as they were covering that on the show, you know, obviously you'd expect the weatherman to also be covering it. I was on the Gold Coast in a Hawaiian shirt interviewing a cockatoo that could speak named Gandalf. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I'm not making a word of that up. That's literally, literally what was happening. And also, only the seventh weirdest thing that was happening on the Gold Coast that morning, which is <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Um, yeah, okay. So you you found this job. Like, I mean, really, in, in some ways, you found this, you know, career-making job. You know, you've made it your own. There was – it's so funny because we've spoken about this before, but there was a history of, you know, the cliched wacky weatherman. Mm. So the job had been 
sort of created almost perfectly for you because it was time for the next evolution. You know, they kind of done the messy groundwork of going, here's the possibilities of what this could be. I'm still doing some messy groundwork if you check the show out sometimes. Yeah, but that's what I mean. But they kind of set that's the bar. Yeah. Which I think is almost like, you know, you see a new Australian comedy show and they they have an hour of new sketches and it's on for three episodes because everyone's like, only a third of the sketches were funny. Yeah. That's a pretty good strike. Yeah, it's great. Like, Probably a third of what you do. Like you well, would, that's being generous. Okay. Well, I am being generous. Yeah, very. Based on the fact that I'm not up early that much anymore, I'm going to say at least a third is hilarious. But my point being, because the expectations are different, like, you know, sometimes if it is just, you know, that's fine because that's what it is. But it gives yeah. you the capacity then, you know, every third one, every fourth one, every fifth one to actually try to do something that is really hilarious or is really inventive or is, you know, particularly, you know, like pull off something really big. I agree. And actually, Husey said a very similar thing. He said that um, he said he, he loves the position that I'm in there because at the basic offering, you know, my ticket to the show is I can give you the weather and I will give you the weather. And some crosses we literally will just do, you know, a one minute cross where we give the weather. But then if you have something that you think is worth more airtime or worthy of that to do a stunt or a surprise or a bit of a sketch or, you know, something a bit more fun, that that can often come out as a surprise because even the throw to me in the segment is let's get your weather now. So if they go, let's get your weather, then suddenly, you know, I'm riding a unicycle and, you know, learning to sing in French or whatever it is. That is a surprise. And it's like, oh, this is more, this isn't what I expected. So I think there's a nice, like, you can almost fly under the radar a bit with your, with your creativity and with your comedy, because if you're if you deliver the weather, which you do in most segments for me, not every segment, um, then that's great. That's fine. But if you've got more, which most of the time I do, and that's what we work towards, you know, having an excellent producer who, you know, that's what we pride ourselves on is offering more than the weather. That's our job, really. Um, then then we, we can surprise people with what we're doing. So you wrote a book. Now, what was the agenda behind the book? As in, like, what was the, you know, when you sit down and you decide, you know, I'm going to write a book, you're going to... I imagine, particularly knowing you, you're going to have a really th- a bit of a think about what do I want this book to be about? What I what do I want to say? Who who is it for? Um, so, talk me a little bit through that thought process. Well, I wanted to highlight and share the absurdity of the role. Mm. Like it, it is actually ridiculous, and I have so many moments in the job still over five years into this job where I'm standing behind a curtain dressed as a lion or when I'm wearing a pair of stilts but we don't want the other host to see that I'm wearing stilts yet and two lacrosse so we've got like these young girls holding up cloths so you can't see my legs like I have so many moments where I'm like this is actually so absurd that this is a job and that I'm doing it so I wanted that to be captured in the book I want people to get a real sense of oh my god that that is such a strange occupation but then on top of that I love how much of Australia I've seen as a result of this job. You know, you do it with touring. You get to these towns, you see these, these towns have stories and they have statues and characters. And it's, there's, ama- there's so many amazing people to meet around our country. And, and some of them you've never heard of, some of the places you've never heard of. We get so caught up with Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, like with the capital cities. But if you go an hour and a bit, this is what I always say. If you go an hour out of most capital cities, that's where you find the characters and that's where you find the fun stuff. I really believe Although that. Although if you go an hour out of Sydney, you're still in Sydney. <laughs> Yeah, generally okay. let's go okay yeah. 90 minutes um, but i've really found that in the role and i love that now i can share some of those characters not only with sunrise but on in the book and some things that have surprised me i've learned things about myself in the role what, also, have, what do you think you have learned about yourself in the role i've learned that 
and I, I don't like to, you know, pat myself on the back, but I've learned that this I... This is the perfect place for patting yourself <laughs> on the back, Sam. If you can't pat yourself on the back in this interview, you can't pat yourself <laughs> on the back anywhere. Okay, well, I've learned that I can connect with anyone. And mm. by that, I mean like five-year-olds at a, their primary school, preschool, whatever it is, or people in a retirement village. I've learned that I, I do have an ability to listen. And that's obviously a big part of my background is radio, which is, I think, mostly about listening. The best radio people, I think, are the best listeners. So I've learned to use those skills to connect with anyone, whether you're, you know, an owner of a super yacht or whether you're, you know, an old mate at a cricket club three hours out of Brisbane. Like, it doesn't matter. I, I find that we can connect and we can celebrate them and find the best and find the stories in these people and get them on the air in a two-minute snapshot. I think that's something that we've kind of crafted and honed over the years. And now I'm excited to kind of share some of those people through the book as well. It must be incredibly difficult, though. That To me, that would be the hugest part of the challenge. I mean, I find it, I have a underlying level of social anxiety that I've kind of, you know, been able to create a world and a way of operating in the world that largely overcomes it you know like i can have conversations with my friends as long as we're both holding a microphone in our hands <laughs> everything's fine i've created a way to do that but the idea of being like thrown into these unusual circumstances constantly and immediately having to form bonds with people but not just form bonds with people immediately form bonds in a way that you need to be able to then wrangle those people to execute what it is that you need to execute is incredibly difficult. Did it take you a while to learn the skills of how to do that? Or was it something that you felt like came instinctively to you in the first place? The basics of it were instinctive, but to be able to really hone it and be able to do it quick Mm. and consistently, I think like anything came with practice. A A huge part of being able to do it well is my producer, who is such a people person. His name's Sean Flynn. There's a chapter on him in the book, the human emoji. He's often, he features on the show. He looks like an emoji, uh, anorexic George Casanza. Um, he, he's an amazing guy and he's a dear friend of mine, but he is a people person and he's gets to these locations first. He chats to everyone. He knows everyone by name. So when I get there, he's already got a couple of ideas. And then through the morning, he's always chatting to people off the air. And I try to chat as much as I can off the air as well. And then we're kind of working in tandem and he'll come over and go, oh, the lady there in the red hat, she's great. She's got a story about such and such. So he's kind of like sussing out the crowds as well. So we work as a, as a duo in that, in that respect. And we try not to, one of the things we try to do with our crosses is not over prep people. Um, we try to just make people feel as relaxed as possible. And I think a lot of people will see, like people when they see our show or our crosses on the show, I think they start to get a feel for them. And then after a while, people know what you like and they know that they can trust you. And they know that, yeah, you might surprise me with the question, but he's on your side. He's here to celebrate your school or your club. We're, we're trying to big you guys up. And yeah, we might take the piss a little bit as well, yeah. but that's all part of what we do. Yeah, but you're not here to burn anybody. No. Has anyone ever felt burnt? Yes. I mean, I imagine, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it's the very nature of those things that people yeah. sometimes come into something with expectations and yeah. aren't realised. You're never going to keep everybody happy, <laughs> no. you know, unless they're a client. Yeah. <laughs> a big thanks to Special K for this morning. They're wonderful. Yes, this uh, segment of philosophy brought to you by Special K, ketamine. <laughs> available. <laughs> available I'm distancing myself from that, your horses. Com- that comment. They're a major supporter of the network. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no. Your they're... network, but this isn't on Channel 7, mate. <laughs> yeah. You're in my house now, bitch. <laughs> literally. <laughs> yes, <laughs> oh, yeah, you're Actually, You'll get my, some furniture one day. You're in my empty house now, bitch. <laughs> Was that just for the acoustics on the podcast? You're really committed to the sound of this podcast. <laughs> get the furniture out. I want it to sound pristine. I mean, it is 
sad if you looked at it from a distance. If you stepped back just one step, the fact that I am living in this giant empty house with one bed and another room where I've just put two chairs next to each other in the bleakest of all formats so I can do my pretend radio show. <laughs> it's okay. The dude from Sunrise is coming over this morning. This is a real thing still. <laughs> Uh, so, okay. So you're meeting people. Have you learned something about yourself, like through doing that? Like, because I mean, obviously, you're being confronted by the best way probably to learn something about yourself is to take yourself out of your comfort zone. So you are a person who is almost constantly thrust outside your comfort zone. Yeah. Um, so what have you? Other than being a people person, what yeah. has that? Perhaps maybe not even what came easy, but what was more difficult? What was the thing that you really had to get over to be able to do that? Um, I've done a lot of things on the show that I wouldn't do in my normal off-air life. And I think, you know, prime example is bungee jumping on day one. Like I would never in a million years, you know me, I'm not an extreme person. I'd never say to you, oh, I'm going out four-wheel driving on the weekend. Like I'm not that kind of guy. So I've overcome my fears and I think the way that I've been able to do that is because I think like a lot of performers or entertainers, we are wired differently. And I think if something is going to be good for the show or good content, then we're willing to disregard all of our personal values. (laughs) Don't you think? Yeah, no, I agree. Like there is, you know, things that I've certainly done in the name of entertainment that I would never do in my own personal time. (laughs) Absolutely. So that's a big one. I don't know. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. I don't. I think that's a, an okay thing. Well, it's yeah. a good thing for the profession that you've yeah. chosen to have. Um, is- you know, another thing um, that I've learned about mm. myself is that I really care, and and this is something I'm proud of. Like, I really care about people. That, when people write to me, mm. I try to write back to every single person on social media, and sometimes it takes a week or whatever, unless I block them. In your case, mm. well, yeah, well, you know, that's one way to get rid of the problem. I mean, that, this makes me feel even worse. <laughs> It's the fact that you're clearly like, oh, yeah, no, seriously, anyone who hits me up, any sort of question, always happy to get back to them. I'll get back to them in depth. Uh, I've blocked you on Instagram, my great old friend who was always incredibly kind to me and supportive of my career. But you know what? Fuck you. Fuck you. I'm in the big time now. That's really not supporting my argument, is it? You know, I'm happy to write back. No, I, I do. I don't know what it is, but I, I feel that I spend a lot of time, a lot of time, probably on average six or seven hours a week responding to people making videos for people's birthdays responding to people who sent me photos of their cats um you know writing back to people about charity things i i do care and i'm not doing that because i have to or because it's good for me as a you know personality or whatever it is i do it because i've had so many experiences through this job mainly where i've formed connections with people that i otherwise wouldn't have that really mean something to me and i think on days in this job where i'm not loving it you know where it's like a big client thing and it's not really my cup of tea the next day i could have this magical interaction with someone who i wouldn't have met and it's something that i hold quite dearly to me and i keep in contact with them for years to come and there's a number of examples of that so I think it's demonstrated to me that I really do care and I, I, I like to think of myself as approachable and I really will put the effort in to, to get back to people and, and to hopefully find a beautiful connection, which I'm lucky enough to have done. How do you... So, doing this show, I am aware of the fact that sometimes, you know, somebody will get something out of one of the interviews that is really integral to their life. You know, it sparks something important. It reminds them of something. It, It is similar to a challenge they've faced in their own life and often they will then write to me to express 
you know, what it meant to them and yeah. they might write in some sort of detail and it might be about some moment in their life that was very traumatic or hard to get through or very emotional in some way. And of course, yes, I also try to, you know, get back to those people, you know, plug my comedy festival shows and <laughs> tell them I've got another podcast called Tofu. No, 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 no. I mean, I, like you try to take the time to respond yeah. to when somebody reaches out in that way, you, you try to take the, respond, the time to respond yeah. in that way also. But it can be incredibly draining to be able to do that. And sometimes also they're talking about something that you don't necessarily have the experience or the qualifications sure. to be able to actually give them proper advice when it comes to. And I know mental health is something that yep. you're incredibly passionate about. We've spoken before on this show yep. about our, our friend Richard Marsland yep. and you write about him very beautifully in mm, the book you. again. Um, how do you know how to respond like how you know like sometimes i imagine some pretty heavy stuff's being shared with you so yeah. how do you know how and when and you know how to respond to people i think i've improved with that over the years just through learning but also i approach it from if if i'm completely honest with someone then that's the best you can do and i think that i know enough about that space to know that my honest thoughts or honest advice is going to be safe and is going to be the right thing that I can do. And I'll, and by honest, I'll, that will sometimes involve me saying, I'm sorry, I can't be here to continue these conversations because, you know, I, I don't want to be the person you rely on. I can't be. I'm not a professionally trained psychiatrist. However, the places that I've recommended you to and the advice that I've given you, I really hope. So and I'm willing to cut those conversations mm. off because it's impossible and I might not be able to get back to someone for a week and you can't put that pressure on yourself. No. It's to, important to them yeah. that you have a boundary as well. Yeah. Like and it's I, not just for you. It is for you also. Definitely. But, but it's also actually important for them. Because yep. as you said, you can't be the lifeline. Lifeline needs to be the lifeline. That's sometimes. right. And I think that I've had experiences through these types of conversations that have made me feel um, so grateful that I could use my position, my platform, whatever you want to call it, to in some small way help someone. You know, we've had uh, an example where um, a lady wrote to me who was considering hanging herself and she said look sam i've heard you speak about mental health i've watched you on the show i feel like i know you which is lovely she said i'm at my lowest point i haven't spoken to anyone about this i don't want to speak to anyone about this i'm i'm thinking about hanging myself um and you know it's it's really really confronting and of course one part of your brain is like shit, what if I say the wrong thing? Um, I don't want to be, you know, implicated in this. What am I doing here? Should I, what should I do? Then the other part of me is like, be honest with her. So I remember clearly sitting down, taking my time, carefully wording my response and telling her about my experiences with losing a friend, telling her about what I've learned in becoming an RUAK Day ambassador and in encouraging more men to have mental health conversations, to try to destigmatize those conversations. It's something I've been working on for years now. I told her about that. I, I assured her that there, there, there are people who care. I said, and if it's not your friend or your family member, there, there is someone who cares about you, I, I promise you. And if, if you can't find them or if you don't have the courage to chat to them about it, then there's professional people who care and they're here to support you and they will be there anytime you need them. And I remember, I remember really worrying about that one because, you know, the fact that she told me what she was considering doing, hanging herself, mm -hmm. she'd thought about the yeah. physicality of it. And that's, that's really scary. So she didn't respond to me for, for a little while. And I remember worrying and I was like, should I write back again and see how she's going? And I ended up leaving it. And then it was almost a year later she wrote back to me and said she got help and she said 
I'm a completely different person now. She said, I can't believe that I was at that point. I can't believe I wrote to you someone that I don't even know to say that to. Um, she said, but your what you told me about what you went through with your friend and your friend's family and what you told me about the conversations and the places you put me in contact with. She said, I eventually built up the courage to speak to my husband about it. He was amazing. He he came with me to appointments. He made sure I got the help. She said, I'm a different person and I, and I thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. So, you know, you're not going to have those interactions every day and, and every week, but that to me justifies everything that I do in that space. One person. And I'm, there's more, like there's other examples and not all to that degree, but that's like, that is, I get so much of a buzz out of that because I've contributed in a positive way in a really scary, dark place, which so many people, particularly after the last year are going through. Do you think that that is the case? So you, you've got an interesting observation, I think on the last year, because obviously a lot of Australia and, and a lot of the world shut down completely mm. Uh, but you didn't. You were one of the people who still worked through it. And of course, your job is right in the middle of, you know, being there in the middle of what people are doing every single day. The nature of what you did had to change as well. But you were still, I mean, probably as much as anyone, you still had a sense of what was going on in Australia. What is your feeling about, I mean, look, it's a big it's a big question yeah. and, we can, and we can explore it, yeah. you know, obviously more than just one. But what are you? What did you feel about what we just went through last year? Because last time we spoke, I think on this show, was perhaps just before the Logies. Is that right? You it was come- around the Logies. It was time. around the Logies. 2019. Think, yeah. So I think you had uh, we were you were in Melbourne. We were both in yeah. Melbourne still. And I think you'd come in on, uh, oh, well, in fact, you had because it's in the book. You had come in and done the radio yep. with us uh, that morning. Um, with your good friend Will Anderson that's what I I did enjoy that you you referred to me as good friend Will Anderson I only get two mentions in the book but both times I get good friend is that why you read it is that why you checked you think if I was such a good friend you might not block me on Instagram and you might actually tell an anecdote about me or something some some illustration of why I'm such a good friend I actually hadn't blocked you at that point I blocked you this morning to get some content for the podcast so um uh, yeah, so you, you, it was just before you were about to go off to the Logies, I'm pretty sure. So, um, Spoiler alert. Spoiler oh. alert, didn't win, but <laughs> close. Came second, I believe. I'm not sure that <laughs> you that's... You don't get a runner-up trophy. <laughs> I'm not sure that I'm allowed to say that, but I did hear from somebody very close to wow. it that you may have come second. Wow. And uh, so anyway, uh, so reigning runner-up. <laughs> <laughs> Carryover runner-up. <laughs> what a loser. First loser. <laughs> uh, so... That was the last time we spoke. And then in between, obviously, the world has changed yeah. completely to the point where there was no Logies, you know, the yeah. next year. And <laughs> so, I mean, the biggest of all the things that happened <laughs> The real the victims world, of that everyone. global pandemic were the Logie red carpet enthusiasts <laughs> who didn't get to dole up. I mean, the problem was, like, what, what, where is the third most famous actor on NCIS going to go <laughs> if he can't come out to Australia for a free junket at the Logies? So... The world changed considerably and you probably had a front row seat to seeing how much it changed, particularly on a micro level. We've all mm-hmm. heard about the macro, mm-hmm. but the Sam, Sam macro, macro, thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's concerning that we both immediately knew that you had made an error by just saying macro. And then the micro you see day to day, you see people, you yeah. hear people's stories, you see the challenges that people are facing. So yeah. just give me a little bit of like your thoughts about what the last year was and what it meant to people. Sure. So mental health wise, I mean, it's no secret that 
um, so many more people have been struggling as a result of that because you've got added pressures, obviously loss of job, um, stress and strain on relationships, you know, not having their own space, obviously being stuck in, I guess, you know, prisoners in our own homes to a degree. Um, uncertainty of the future is another big one for mental health stress. So yes, I had a lot, a lot more people writing to me about mental health, which I'm actually glad. I'm glad that they were writing to me because it shows that more people are, I guess, you know, talking about it. And I really feel that things have improved with conversations around it in the last five years, even, you know, if I think about before we lost Richard, I, I don't think I'd had a mental health conversation. Mm-hmm. I, it wasn't even, are you okay? They didn't exist. It, things have improved a lot and they are continuing to improve. And that's why I think if we all keep doing our little bits and chipping away. It is normalizing it. So yes, a lot of people, I think jobs, jobs really put, because I, you know, job isn't just a job. Job is an identity for so many people. You know, it's it's how they're known to their friends as their, you know, that's, oh, he's, he's a butcher or he's, it's it's their identity. And then if you lose job, of course, then you've got the flow of income. How am I going to pay for my kids to eat? How am I going to pay for my house mortgage payments? You know, this is putting pressure and strain on our marriage, the flow So yes, I had a lot more people write to me and it was, it was quite overwhelming. I tried to, again, I responded to them all in my own way, but from a from a show perspective what we tried to do was we tried to flip it and do the absolute opposite i i wanted to make our segments at least something on the show which was silly remind people that you can still be silly you can still laugh you can still have fun even though the world has gone to shit in fact more than ever we probably need that and we tried to just be a positive burst of a couple of minutes every cross and sometimes that was really draining on myself and on my producer because we we couldn't I mean, my job really is two things. It's travel and it's crowds of people. And both of those things were taken away. And what we're left with, weather, as you know, <laughs> we're in trouble. Like if that's what we're left with. So Sean and I decided we met like within a week or two of it becoming this lockdown situation. Like, what are we going to do? Okay, let's try to work out if we can do Zoom live to air, which we had amazing tech support who made that happen. And of course, everyone eventually was doing it. We were some of the first to be able to do Zoom live to air. So we said, okay, well, let's treat it as if we're doing our regular mornings. What, what would we want to do? Okay, we want to do Australia A to Z, which we did a few years ago. Let's do a virtual A to Z. So that was 27 days, or whatever, of content right there. We would go and we could go to places that were, you know, even further away because it's just via Zoom. So we'd cross to people in, you know, Kakadu for the letter K and they're showing us their crocodiles that are literally in their backyard. And, you know, we're having fun with these characters around the country. So that worked great. Then, you know, just from a conversation with a friend of mine from Adelaide who has a small business uh, cafe, um, she was writing to me saying, look, you know, we're really struggling. I don't want to like have to let my staff go. I know that they don't have anything else, blah, 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 blah. And, and I thought, you know, this is just one example. There must be so many of these. So I created a thing called Plug a Palooza, where I was going to try to plug 100 small businesses in a week on the air and not just like, you know, shout outs. We were like, let's make creative fun adverts for them. So we got Larry Emder to be an endorsement for like a baby clothing shop. You know, we got people involved, you know, I would get down on a yoga mat and promote this yoga retreat company. Like we would just make it fun, make it entertaining the best way we could. And some of them we'd had on, have on Zoom. And what I got from that was the desperation because we had, I think it was something like four or 500 entries overnight from small businesses saying, we would love it. And what I loved about that was even though it might not save their business, it gave them some positivity in that shit time. It gave them, oh, cool. We were mentioned on Sunrise. They plugged our pizza shop. Oh, that's really cool. It gave them something to go. So we just focused on being a positive, you know, a positive influence 
particularly with kids watching the show after sitting through 12, 14 minutes of news, which is essentially doom and gloom, like, you know, how many cases are there? How scary is this? To go to us and to just be silly and to have fun was so important. And I'm really glad that, that was the approach we took. Has it changed what we just went through? Do you think it has changed the world substantially? Uh, it's it's funny. We're still in, in the middle of it, mm. so it's hard to tell. Yeah. And one of the things that I've been partly amazed by and partly not amazed by at all, which is how quickly things kind of return to normal. Yeah. Like I really thought that many of the things that happened in the last year would stick around for longer. But, you know, now that you're starting to see crowds back at things, people behaving in quite normal ways, particularly out of Melbourne where they had the most strict of all lockdowns. But even in Melbourne now, as you see crowds returning to football games, people out in the street, the Melbourne Comedy Festival has just happened, got to capacity crowds at the end of the festival. Like It feels like life has actually returned much more to normal, much more quickly than I imagined it was going to. Do you think that what we've just been through as a world will have lingering consequences on the world? And if so... Well, I mean, it's probably you can't put it in black and white, but do you think it'll be more positive or more negative? And what are you worried about in each regard? That's a really big question. I I think that, yes, definitely it will have longer term implications. There's always going to be people on different timelines and people with different comfort levels. You know, human beings are human beings that we can't change that. Um, I think I think Elon Musk is working on changing that. (laughs) He's like, we can change that. It'll be a microchip and it'll be available in about seven years. Or a Sam macrochip. I think that um, no one wants one of those. Oh, there's definitely no weather software downloaded onto that. (laughs) Got this new weather app. It's a Sam Mac weather app, and I think every third day it tells me the weather. He's on a unicycle. He's on a unicycle at the moment for some reason. Um, yeah, I don't. It's a big question, isn't it? I think that. Um, How do you personally feel? I, I don't want to. I, it's impossible yeah. for you to necessarily actually suggest how the world's going to change but what's your personal gut instinct on what we just went through is this going to be a life defining generation defining event like a world war was like you know is it because for us it probably is the first major one in our lifetimes that we have lived through yeah i think that it's had a, a an enormous impact on me and in a positive way now i think I must preface it by saying I live in Sydney, so mm. we didn't have it anywhere near as bad as or as long as Victoria had it. A lot of my mates, my manager, like I've got a lot of close friends, so I know how tough Victorians did it last year. Um, but for me, like what I've learned, I guess, is to go for it right now. And I, by that, I mean book things in. Like I've, I've got a new girlfriend and I'm suddenly a planner. I've never been a planner. I'm locking in. I'm like, hey, Saturday, we're going kayaking. We're getting up at 5am to go kayaking in the Sydney Harbour. And like, I would never get She's up. like, fuck <laughs> you. This isn't a weather bit. <laughs> Just you, hold my you, script. You <laughs> leave that shit at the office. On yeah. the weekend, you do normal shit. You get yeah. up after nine and it doesn't need to be a stunt. How about we just have brunch? How about that? She hates it when I say back to you, Koshi. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but that I've just felt this sense of urgency. Yeah. Do things now do things. because you can. Yeah. And I think maybe in, in the first month or two, that was because, oh, what if the borders shut mm-hmm. again? Yeah. Thankfully, at the moment, we've had a little bit of consistency. Um, so I feel that... I feel that I'm proud that it's still going. Like I'm still feeling that, all right, I want to do this. When we can, we're going to do that. So I, I think a lot of people are like that. I think a lot of people, it, it woke something up in them where they're, where they're like, you know, I wrote a book during the lockdown situation. I 
and more proactive with planning things and booking things in. And I've become more of a doer as opposed to just like, I'm just going to do nothing on the weekend. So I'm really excited about that. And I think that, you know, the fear of having all of that taken away from us, which none of us had ever experienced until that global pandemic in in our generation, that the fear of that potentially happening again, I think is a big kick up the ass to say, get shit done now. It's amazing uh, just being back. What When we're recording this, it's the end of the Comedy Festival. The Comedy Festival has a couple of days to go. I never thought the Comedy Festival was going to happen this year. Yeah. And I'm, I'm for the first time ever, I'm doing a return season of a show. I've never done that before. It's been an amazing experience because going into the festival, not nervous about like constantly, you know, getting the show right, doing those sort of things has been delightful anyway. You know, yeah. I just get to play around with the show every night and do that. But the, also just the pure joy of appreciating that you can do your job. Yeah. Like somebody asked me how the season was going. I said, it's on. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'll take it. Like, that's yeah. it. Yeah, like, I wanted to ask you. I would you. find a million things to bitch and moan about. Yeah. Like, you know, because you just, it's the nature of your work. You just go, oh, I'm not liking this or this happened <laughs> yeah. the other night or they didn't laugh at that one joke that I really <laughs> yeah, liked Yeah, that's whatever. a performer thing though, isn't it? You yeah. find the thing that wasn't quite right or the comment that you didn't like. And but you... at the moment, I just can't go there. At the moment, yeah. I am just like, so grateful. it happened and it's on and it's amazing yeah. that it's happened and it's a joy that i haven't felt from p- p- performing probably for 15 years i think wow that's yeah. so cool to hear but i wanted to ask you how long was it between like you know from your last show uh, to your mo- like most recent show in front of a, like a big room oh so well 11 months from show to show right so march 15th in april in adelaide yep. was the final night because that they cancelled the melbourne comedy yeah. festival on friday the 13th yes friday march the 13th we had two days left of adelaide adelaide went on fine uh, this is what I and you'd know this you know being like you know very familiar with South Australia and Adelaide so the attitude there's always been a difference between the states but what we've just gone through oh, has yeah. absolutely oh, meant that those differences are going and to I've, be and like you I've seen it because I've been in all of those states hardwired in yep. for a long time to come yep. because as you said Melbourne people are, are, are very much processing what they went through in a very different way to someone in you know Queensland yep. who barely went in through anything Queensland have actually kind of had a bit of it now as opposed to you know what everybody else has been going through Western Australia haven't had any of it all yep. they finally were very happy closed the border as they've always wanted to <laughs> seceded from Australia everything they're like great. finally we've got a semi-legitimate reason <laughs> yeah, to do this we've been, they've been scratching around for an excuse <laughs> to do this and it's like don't point the finger at Wuhan labs point the finger at Western Australia as far as I'm concerned <laughs> played perfectly into their hands but in in the way that audiences have reacted you often get asked as a comedian you know is there a difference between audiences state to state never has there been more difference right because so I did Adelaide yeah and then I did Adelaide again this year because Tom at the last minute because Tom Ballard had got stuck in New oh. Zealand and I had to go and fill in for him and it was so amazing to be in Adelaide because they hadn't missed anything. Yeah. I mean, of course, they'd missed other things that happened for the rest of the year, but they got their big mad march, then Corona hit, and then by the time it was oh, back again, yeah. they had their big bad, mad march. Again, yeah. So everybody's kind of just like, well, yeah, it's natural to be out and seeing shows yeah. and doing things, and the audiences really responded in that way. I came to Melbourne, and I, I, there was a lot of people who were going out in public for the first time, you know, going out to see oh, a show right. for the first wow. time. And of course, Melbourne got cancelled last year. So you're literally doing something that didn't happen the year before as opposed. And the so it's been two years since you know, um, live comedy. Completely different. Like really, you could feel it in the first five minutes of the show. The audiences, I think, 
We're excited to be there, but not excited in the yay, this is happening, but excited in the nervous, can we laugh out loud? Yeah, okay you almost feel a little bit naughty, like, oh, yeah. should we be doing We've this? We've been told for a year that we're not allowed to sit in yeah. a room like this and, like, you know, expel fluids from our mouth, and yeah. now we're all here together. Is this safe? I remember on about the third night, one poor girl sneezed in the middle of the show, and just the audience <laughs> reaction, <laughs> like, because I was just like, get out. And, like, the, or, the whole, because you can just tell, the whole audience was like, uh, best heck of all time in a COVID scenario just go to a comedy show I think I actually said to her I bet you were sent here by Dave Hughes with some pepper and at the 20 minute mark if he's doing well up the nose empty the room but it has you know changed I think the way that the states are all going to feel because obviously different states have had different experiences and it's going to mean that you know it is going to be hard for someone from Sydney to really understand what people from Melbourne went through or, you know, vice versa. I agree. And I think like yourself, you know, we travel a lot. We, I've been in, I was in Queensland for, I was in Queensland for the opening where the first flights came back in, mm. you know, I was doing interviews at the airport. So I experienced a lot of, you know, the Queensland situation. I'm from South Australia. My family are there. So I've been, you know, I missed out on going home for Christmas. Obviously everyone had their own version of that. First time in 10 years that I didn't get to have family Christmas. Um, I'm in Victoria a lot for work. I've got a lot of close friends in, and I live in Sydney. So I've kind of, you know, and I used to live and work in WA. So I've kind of got a sense of mm. all of it from like friends and family and what have you. And I completely agree. But I, I do feel like we're in Victoria at the moment. I do feel that, and I'm glad to see it. People are having yes. fun again and, and out again. And and I don't think they should feel guilty about that. At the moment, there aren't any cases in here. And of no, course- No, it is, it is. they have been extremely cautious about getting to where they are. Yeah. Like that was almost the interesting thing about coming to Victoria is they feel nervous about what they're doing. And you're like, no, 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 this is what everyone else is doing. <laughs> Don't worry. The rest of the country's been doing this And for I think a while. there had to be a point yeah. where we could start to try to live a normal life again because, okay, let's say that we, you know, that Victorian-style lockdown from last year had to continue again for another six months or another year. It does reach a point where you kind of go, what sort of a life is this? Sorry, how, how long are we expected to do this? I'm going to take my chances. I'm sorry, but it, you need to live your life as well. Oh, I think that, it, yes, part of your plan as a government has to be keeping the confidence of the population. Yeah. And sometimes that's going to be going, this is an acceptable risk. Yeah. We, like the safest thing to do is keep you all locked up still, but that we're not going to do that. There is... No cases that we can find in the community. Mm. The acceptable risk is that you can go out and mm. do these things until it's not an acceptable risk again. And I think you have got to let people have that. Because yes. if you don't let people have that, then eventually you lose the people's confidence. So when you do need them to go stay at home, like we need you in this emergency, you can't get them to do it because you haven't yep. yeah, got the And you end up anymore. with an America. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, that's it, right? You know, like that, how long A is that going to go for? A country where hundreds of thousands of people have died unnecessarily because mm-hmm. of... People wanting to own the libs. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you asked me about performing. Mm. I went 11 months between March 15, which was last night in Adelaide, and then the first gig I did back was my improv show that I did at the Brunswick Picture House up in the Northern Rivers at Brunswick Heads. So the and first, so that would have been the longest time that you had not performed in front of a crowd since you started since comedy. Since I started, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Oh, by far and away. I think before that it was like I had taken a break of three months at one wow. stage, and that felt like... Yeah. A long time. Yeah. But to go 11 months and between big show and big show, it it was almost 12 months. So it was literally almost, it was, I think it was 12 months 
two days short of 12 months between when I'd done a proper show and then I did another proper show. Last night meant that in this Melbourne Comedy Festival, I think last night was my ninth show, yeah. So last night was my ninth show, which means that in the last week and a half, I've done more shows than I did in the last yeah, year. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And so now are you at the stage where you can, with confidence, book in Australia-wide stuff over the next six months? Is is that... No. Not quite? No. No. People keep asking me, are you coming here? Are you coming here? I'm like, mm. yep. <laughs> Don't know when. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't know yeah. how. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't believe that Melbourne was happening until I was here. Yeah. You know, like Adelaide only happened a week before. My shows went on sale a week before because Tom Bella got stuck in New Zealand of all places. Yeah. Like... You know, Melbourne, I was barely even telling people it was happening until it was happening <laughs> because I just was so paranoid about the fact that it wasn't That must be happen. so strange. Normally, don't you guys have to, like, name your comedy festival show eight years before that festival? I mean, <laughs> like, ordinarily... What are you going to call your 2028 festival show? Like, August or something. Yeah. Like, I go through my little list of names that you came up with one day at Triple M. Yeah. Okay, where was I talking? Oh, they asked me about that the on project. the project. Yeah, a few people mentioned it. Yeah. They, Thanks uh, for the shout out. You didn't know I'd blocked you at that point, did you? It's <laughs> like, I've always been a supporter of yours. It's just you. It's not a supporter of mine, apparently. Your good friend, Will Anderson. Happy to drop my name in your bloody book, but just want to see what you're up to on Instagram. Maybe see a couple of cute cat photos. Was there a point where Didn't you... Didn't even know you had a new girlfriend. I'd know if you hadn't blocked me on Instagram. Was there a point when you realised that you were blocked by Instagram where you started to think about why I might have blocked you? Like, was there like, did you think, oh, was there something that happened or... 100% no. Okay. Like, you didn't not, care that much. Not, no, no, but not for one second. I'd like, you know, sometimes, like, I guess this is actually a great compliment to you because... Even with some of my closest friends, you might just go, ah, oh, I shit talked that thing or I said that joke right. or I agreed with that thing or, you know, I like went on a rant about something that I yeah. know that they're opposed to or whatever it is. But with you, no, 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 100%, I was like, I know I've never said anything mean to you. I know that we're very good friends. I absolutely know this must... It, to the point where I keep forgetting. Like, I literally was only reminded when you said Instagram and I was like, you still got me on Instagram. <laughs> I couldn't, I knew that it must, like, I mean, it literally was one of those things where I was like, like, there's no reason that this should be other than clearly something's gone wrong. Hopefully, unless yeah. genuinely you were really offended by, um, you got a little uh, shout out actually on the most recent uh, TOEFOP because uh, uh, Charlie has discovered this group called the Wiggles. Because he has a child and yes. he's amazed by the fact that the Wiggles are so successful. <laughs> well, I'm I did like, Charlie's two guys uh, one cup. Yeah, I yeah. know. My club. Yeah. Uh, so talking about, of course, the Adelaide Crows, mm-hmm. who you must be very excited I'm about. I'm very the, happy. Uh, I think we recorded Crows, that just before the season had started. My expectations were very low. <laughs> very low. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm over the moon with how we've started. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we were talking about the Wiggles because he said, you know, somebody who's been a philosophy guest has done a collaboration with the Wiggles and I proudly go, Sam Mack, of course. And he goes, no, Ben Elton. So it was Ben Elton we were going to talk <laughs> I didn't about. know that. Ben Elton, didn't right. realise that not one but two philosophy <laughs> yeah. guests had done Kind of cheapens what I did with them. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote a song called Welcome to Wiggletown, which we dissected the lyrics of on an episode of Tofop, which uh, <laughs> is quite a weird dystopian future <laughs> yeah. that Ben Elton has sketched for children to listen to. I've got so, um, okay, so you've written this book. It's called Accidental Weatherman, and uh, you wrote 
um, about uh, our friend Richard Marsland. And yes, as I've mentioned, we have spoken about him before on this podcast. But when you speak about someone as opposed to mm. putting it in words, like, you know, writing it down on a piece of paper, I imagine you must have thought a lot about whether you were going to write about Richard or not and in what way you were going to write about it. Talk me through a little bit about how you approached the Richard chapter in the book. Well, I knew that I was going to write about mental health because I wanted a couple... Obviously, there's a lot of... You know, the the book really is about a guy who is not qualified or interested in becoming a weatherman who becomes a weatherman accidentally, but then it leads to... Stephen Jacobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm his ghostwriter. Um, but it leads to people, characters, experience, travel. Yeah. And, and But I also wanted... So that's the fun, the silly, the absurd side of it. But I also wanted some things that I really care about in there. So animal rescue. You know, I've got rescue cats. I talk a lot about and share a lot about my mm. cats. And I'm a big supporter of animal rescue mm. and mental health. So they're my two areas that I'm most passionate about. As your about. good friend Will Anderson joked. I'm cut away from, from a, a current, current affairs story. story. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you did read the book. <laughs> I've used that so many times, and I always credit you. By the way, oh, I like that. I appreciate that. <laughs> even though current affairs on another yeah. network, I was isn't say, it? That was also, yeah. I didn't even change it to today yeah. tonight. Well, it's not national anymore. Today <laughs> tonight, so yeah, I'm pretty edgy with my quotes. Yeah. Um, so, so I knew I was going to talk about mental health. Mm. Um, as I started, so that was the hardest chapter to write, obviously. Um, and it took the longest and there was a lot that I wanted to say, but I was also, you know, cautious about what I was going to say. And I, I wanted to make sure that it was from a personal point of view, but also things in there that people could connect with, you know, if they didn't know Richard or weren't connected to me or or what have you. So I guess the, the confidence that I had to make it really, Richard is the thread through the chapter and I've called the chapter Richard. Um, you know, as a, I guess, a tribute to Richard and, you know, his, his, um, his outlook on life and his comedy and his generosity of spirit and, and all of those things, which I love and was very much inspired by, like a lot of us were and still are. But I've been lucky enough to maintain a, a relationship with his parents, Alison and Peter, who are in Adelaide. And I, you know, chat to Alison regularly on Facebook. And anytime that I'm going to speak about Richard, you know, in a mental health capacity on radio or on TV, I'll always run it by them, um, mainly Alison, just to say, hey, tomorrow I'm going to do a little thing. Just wanted to check if it's okay. She's always, you know, I always get her blessing. And that means a lot to me. And she, she trusts me. Um, but I'd never want to betray that trust. So it was so important that, you know, I did him proud and did them proud in the chapter. And I was lucky enough to have dinner with them uh, late last year when I was, I guess, around the time that I was writing that chapter. In fact, I think I just, I guess, finished the first draft of that chapter. Uh, So it was very much top of mind. And we had dinner and had a few drinks and, you know, they shared amazing stories about Richard. And I learned things about Richard that I didn't know about him as a kid and how amazing he was as, a, as an artist, as a kid and all of these things. And they've created their own wine and they've used one of his drawings on the label for the wine called Marzi Wines, M-A-R-S-I-E. And uh, it was just a really, really beautiful night. And I just loved catching up with them and seeing them laughing and speaking so lovingly and joyously about Richard. But there was always that lingering I could feel it and I could see it in Alison's eyes as that sadness of, you know, a mum who wants her son back, really. So that was tough. That was tough in that respect. But it ended up giving me, I guess, the end to the chapter because I could I could talk about, you know, the longer term effects and, you know, meeting with someone 10 years after they've lost that that loved one and what, what it's done in their life and how they feel and how they look at it now and their relationship with mental health. And it really gave me... Uh, a difficult but a beautiful way to end the chapter 
and I just recorded the audio book and I, I, you know, voiced my own audio book and look, I'll be completely honest. I think like last time I did this podcast with you, I, I struggled through it. I broke down and, um, I really almost couldn't get through the, it's one thing writing it when you're at home and you're comfortable and you've got a laptop there and it's just you. There's another thing when you've got a sound engineer and you're speaking to a microphone, you've got headphones on and you know that it's going to an audience. And I, I really struggled like a number of times in that read through. I, I couldn't, couldn't do it. Um, but, um, you know, I kept going and I ended up speaking with them after and I said, I don't want them to tidy it up. I don't, I don't want them to change it. I want it to be as it was because it's real and it's authentic. And a lot of people are scared about saying the wrong thing with mental health, but I always say it's better to say the wrong thing than say nothing because the conversation, even just attempting a conversation, even if you don't say the perfect thing, it's showing someone that you're interested and that you care. And that's what most people need in that scenario. So yeah, the, the audio book, that chapter was super difficult to get through. I'm really proud that it is there and I'm really proud that it's authentic and I really hope that Alison and Peter are, are proud and, and happy with it as well. It's, um, yeah, it's it. look, I mean, I can see how much mm. it still, you know, like affects you and, you know, you're wiping tears away from mm. your eyes even speaking about it again now. And I know that every time you go there, you reconnect with that pain and you reconnect with that loss and that's why i you know admire the fact that you still do it Thanks, because mate. you know that it's going to be hard for you to do but you know that it's also important not well that, i say not, in the chapter yeah. it, it would be hypocritical of me to not do these things but to encourage other people to have these conversations so yes it's tough and yes i cry but it's okay to cry you know that, that's part of life um it's not an easy experience and particularly when you go as deep as I did in, in the chapter and, and, you know, and talking about his parents and, you know, what it meant and what it felt like to find that information out that, that he was gone and what it meant to his friends and that pain I don't think ever goes away. I think anyone listening to this who's had an experience with suicide in their lives, I'm sure would have similar experiences where the pain is always there. It just is varying levels depending on where you are, who you're talking with, what you're talking about. But I, it's probably the most important part of the book. You know, it's it's something that I think will help a few people and not just help people who are going through mental health issues of their own, but the people around, you know, to help people look for signals and to help people have the confidence to start one of those conversations. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of it. Uh, so this book is called Accidental Weatherman. <laughs> this book is called Accidental Weatherman. Let's go forward five years. Mm into just you know none of us can predict the future you know the accidental old... game show host yeah <laughs> well i mean that's my question right what would the next what's in your best case scenario you know this is always the place i always ask people these questions yeah. and i know sometimes it's very hard as an australian to put aside that you know kind of tall poppy or idea that you sort of have to be self-deprecating but in a fantasy world in an ideal world where everything just happened exactly how you wanted it to happen what do you think the title of your book would be five years from now if you write one? Ooh. oh that's a really really tough one um five years from now title of the book um um i think it'd be something about people you know like i think that that's the more as i get older i'm learning that that's what excites me and that's what drives me because you're never going to get bored with people there's always going to be interesting new types of people that you haven't met so so maybe it's as simple as that people that that could be it i think that i'm 
discovering as time goes on in this role where I meet so many people, thousands and thousands and thousands of people around the country doing so many different things, there's always a new person with an exciting, interesting adventure or story. And I think that my, I guess, um, ability is to get that out of people and, and engage with it and share it and make it fun and palatable for, for a big audience. One of the things I always ask, ask people, I may have asked you before in previous ones, but I, that doesn't matter. Uh, what do you think the biggest misconception about you is? <laughs> that I know about the weather. <laughs> I don't think too many people are under that misconception anymore, are they? Is there people who still think that well, you know stuff about the weather? I'm called a weatherman, so <laughs> some people who clearly don't watch this show will still occasionally start talking about southwesterlies. It's true. Some people think that I'm interested in advertising outside the <laughs> <laughs> fucking half an hour we present a TV show about advertising. Um, biggest misconception. Um, I think. I think... The biggest misconception is that people possibly think that I'm um, more like I'm as confident as I can appear yeah, on, uh-huh. on TV. I think in real life you were talking before about, you know, meeting all those people and you were saying like a lot of, you know, social anxiety and things like that. I definitely ordinarily, like when I'm in my own time, when I'm not in work, um, would much rather be just with, you know, my girlfriend or with a friend, with mates, like under the radar. Like I, I don't like the attention in, in that respect. I think people, I guess, because they see a version of you, think that you always want to be that center of attention. You always want to be doing something crazy. And I think because I do so much of that in my, I guess like you, like you do so much of that in your work life and on stage that you really value and treasure that other side of the balance. Yeah, I think so. And uh, what about when it comes to, I have a little, this is a new question, so I Ooh. wouldn't have asked you this one before. Uh, this is a post 200 episodes new question. <laughs> I've put a new question in the roster. Congratulations, by the way. Uh, I've got to say just quickly, I love the Jimmy Barnes episode and I loved um, Broden from uh, Auntie Donna. I just, yeah, the, I've listened to some amazing episodes lately. So hopefully this doesn't let people down. Uh, well, look, you know, people can make their own judgments. <laughs> Hasn't let me down. And it's my podcast. So that's all that really actually matters. Good. I don't have a network or anyone behind it. I am the boss. It pleases the boss. <laughs> Why are you giving yourself the wind up? <laughs> so, well, you know, you're doing that to yourself and Sam can clearly see it. Uh, I have a little this is as close to an inspirational uh, slogan as I have in my life it is a little kind of heavy piece of metal that sits on my desk and it just has inscribed in it it says what would you attempt if you knew you could not fail and the meaning to me behind that is you know like to not think about you know whether things will be successful or try to mold one of your projects yeah. so that it will be successful yeah but to try to do something as if it was going to be successful regardless of whether it is or not so what would you attempt if you were guaranteed success well i'm pretty ambitious so i've got a lot of things that i want to attempt um definitely a live show in some form, oh. you know, and possibly at a comedy festival is something that I've thought about for many years. I think that yes. it's, it's possibly getting to that point where that might be the next thing for me. Um, a live show, definitely. Now, would it, would it be like if you did a live show, would it be like an accidental weatherman style live show or would it be a step away from like, do you think you would incorporate, you know, your life and the world that you now live in in your live show or would it be something separate to the like, It would incorporate the yeah. life and the life that I live because I think there's so much of that which I don't really get to speak about, you know, in, yeah. in that comedic forum. Um, that's definitely something I've thought about 
a lot. Uh, I think that people find it quite interesting, the behind the scenes of the TV and that kind of... Like I had one simple idea for a show, which I was thinking about the other day, where I've been Daily Mail fodder for a couple of years now. And like every time I'm in a Daily Mail article, I screenshot it. And there's some unbelievable headlines that have run and some absolute doozies. There was one where they thought it was an expose that my real surname wasn't Mac. It's like Sam Max, real surname revealed, Sam McMillan. So that was the story, it's but then they fleshed it out like, over like two pages. Firstly, not a secret. <laughs> Secondly, what I love is it's not even that far from you. Like it's literally just a short, it's like it's not even a real revelation. Yeah. Like if you went up to people and went, hey, Sam Max is not his real name. What do you reckon his real name is? People go, Mac Donald or yeah. McMillan. Yeah. <laughs> They're my two choices. Oh, there was another one that was like... Um, um, Sam Mack reportedly a ladies man oh, <laughs> reportedly a and ladies then the article man. went on to say that yeah. the only thing stopping me from taking over Koshy's job was that the Channel 7 executives you needed me to settle a... down they need me to settle down otherwise that's the only thing stopping me from going for that role I thought you were a Lothario <laughs> yes. cruising around the country if there was ever any question over the Daily Mail being fake news that is exhibit A uh, the amount of times you <laughs> were slipping a grandmother with some scones <laughs> or your phone number <laughs> online TV <laughs> so I thought I thought thought that's like a nice basic like i guess theme for a show where i've literally got probably yeah. 50 different headlines i could pick the top 15 go through them get some of the killer quotes have responses to them i think that that could be a that show. would be absolutely that could be a show i would i would absolutely sign up to <laughs> hear behind the scenes that is i mean i enjoy that so much too because the job that you have it really does put you in i mean occasionally there'll be an article about something that I've done on the Daily Mail. But my world is actually pretty removed from the Daily Mail world. I'm not the sort of person that's going to get a lot of clicks or, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, people aren't particularly interested in that world in, in my life. But yeah. because you're on breakfast television, yeah. breakfast television is such a staple of gossip pages, oh, particularly yeah. Sunrise for whatever. Well, actually, no, Sunrise and Today. They're yeah. both actually very heavy in that constantly talking about who likes each other or whose job's up or the fact that you're yeah the reason you've got a girlfriend now is you're clearly after Koshy's job that's what <laughs> yeah. I'm hearing Daily Mail yeah. wait till <laughs> Beck hears that bring me for a quote <laughs> <laughs> but I will I should point yeah. out that I I they're just doing what they do yeah. and like I'm not one of those people who goes on a rant and like oh they're the scum of the earth I, I don't think that at all no like they you, are you don't I do they are the scum of the earth and you I'm quite willing for you to print that daily mail because you <laughs> I, are I mean it's a personal but, experience yes. you know and I've only had like okay there's been a few articles where I'm like I'd rather that one didn't exist but then there's been 50 that I find funny that I share yeah. that I screenshot I've, so I was gonna say what's the funniest one what's the one that you think like you read and you just went okay well this um, is the oh there was one uh, last year um um, Sunrise hosts lose it as two dogs have sex in background of Sam Mack Weathercross. <laughs> like these are all real, and like the headlines are the best part because it tells you the whole story in the headline. Um, Ed Sheeran, no, eight-year-old Ed Sheeran doppelganger has tantrum during Sam Mack Weathercross. <laughs> I was wearing a wetsuit um, uh-huh. and there was one about... Oh, was there a bulge? Or yes, it was a bulge. Bulge gate, as we're calling it. The bulge that stopped a nation. Uh, and I think Did it was like... Crack um, a Mac? Did someone... <laughs> Big Mac. And it was like... Um, 
Sunrise host mortified by Sam Max Bulge. That was it. That was the headline. Sunrise host mortified. And mortified. had a shot of Natalie Barr just like looking shocked. And it was mortified by Sam Max Bulge. Two bars in one shot, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot. And yes, I, I definitely. And I've got mm. friends who've been burnt by them. So I yes. do understand that side of it. But I also understand that. You know, a lot of what they do is fodder. It's yes. trivial. It's entertainment, and and a lot of people like I can't criticize it when I've shared some of the things they do because I find some of them so funny. I really do. Like the ones that you know are about me, and yeah. it's like I'm I've got thick skin in that regard, and it doesn't offend me. And it's it's only when it becomes like personal, personal. I was going to say, so is- you have a new girlfriend, and I'm not looking for juicy quotes <laughs> they can republish on the Daily Mail here, but like, what about her? Is she aware of the fact that? This is a world that she like. How how will she deal with the fact where, you know, they get photos of the two of you together out on one of your fucking five a.m. kayaks? <laughs> <laughs> Even the paps aren't up that early on a Saturday. <laughs> um, like, does she understand that she's in a world now where you know there might be an article about her and you on the Daily Mail? One of the things I love the most about her is that she's so disinterested right. in like celebrity, like, not that I'm you know. Chris Hemsworth, but she she didn't know who I was when Chris, we first no started one's chatting. Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> yeah. Apart from Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Even Liam Hemsworth isn't <laughs> and Chris the Hemsworth. other one. And the other one. Yeah, exactly. Luke. John. Actually, oh, right. Luke yeah, Hemsworth. Sorry. Very no, they're actually, great. very talented actor. Yeah. And a nice guy. Just overshadowed Hemsworth. by, you know, yeah. who wouldn't be overshadowed by Chris exactly. Hemsworth. It's not your fault. Yeah, why are we talking about Chris Hemsworth? I brought yeah, it up. Anyway, Shut up. Whatever you did, yes. <laughs> so my point is she doesn't really like take much of an interest in celebrity much. life and gossip and you know, I had to send her a photo. I go, you're in Woman's Day. And she's like, what? Why? And then she's like, oh, my God, I'm next to an article about Madonna. What's going on? Slow news week. Like, she couldn't believe it. She could not believe it. So, I okay. like that about her. She has her. a good, healthy attitude. Yes, to she's all. a normal person. Yes. Okay, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So, what what next now for Sam, Matt? Because we actually should. I am getting the wind up from the yeah. boss. So, we need to... <laughs> We need to start uh, finishing this up. But what 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 is next in your world? What's the next few months got in store for you? So a big part of it, obviously, is, you know, the book is a year of work. So there's a lot of promotion and a lot of, you know, sharing the book, I guess, and doing signings and going to as many places as I can to do okay, signings. Okay, so, yeah, are you going to go, like, out on the road with the book and do sort of, like, book events? And yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I've got um, – Because hun- you probably have an inbuilt – like, are you able to coordinate it with your sunrise duties? To a degree. Yeah, yeah we definitely can, as long as okay. we get Special K involved. Yeah. Um, we've got, so Hans the German is hosting my Adelaide launch. Uh-huh. Um, Dr. Chris Brown, who I've also formed a band with. We formed a band during um, COVID, the lockdown thing called TDL, Tone Deaf Leopard. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> we're available on Instagram as well. You're not blocked from that account. Um, so I think next for me is give everything to the promotion of that book, make sure as many people get that book as as possible because I'm really proud of it. And then after that, I'd love to do a children's book. And after that, I'd love to do something in prime time is my next thing on my hit list. And eventually, maybe in a couple of years, I'd love to do a series on like a a Netflix or an Amazon or like a a series series. Okay, so if you did a prime time show, ideal scenario, because this is like, again, like I ask everyone these sort of questions and – so far, it hasn't come back to bite anyone they are, so I hope it won't for you either. But I love to know, because you, you do say that you are ambitious, and I don't think there is anything wrong no. with being ambitious, because you're ambitious in the absolute right way, which is that you just dream big, and you think, well, I'm going to have a crack, and it, it'll, maybe it'll work, and maybe it'll won't. You don't feel like you deserve these things. No. You know, sometimes you hear of people in your position who suddenly think well i deserve a yeah. prime time show or yeah. i deserve a late night yeah. show you know but 
that's not you that's not your attitude but you have dreams and you have ambitions for these things mm. so what does your ideal primetime show look like because we live in a world right now where primetime shows the the ones that we used to imagine we might have in primetime don't really exist so much anymore there are only small examples of like really good shows in primetime yeah. a lot of the time it is very much big shiny floor reality shows or like you know kind of like you know camera like yeah they're sort of you're married at first sight yeah, formats. Shows or your yeah. formats these sort of things so what would a sam mac primetime project even look like well i've got like a few pictures mm. like actual proper you know worded out pictures and i guess you know you have conversations with the production companies and the networks about those but on a i guess on a sim- simplistic yeah. level like I, a general i'm yeah. not looking for yeah confidential yeah. trade secrets i'm thinking more <laughs> yeah. just yeah. a vibe yeah you can yeah. put a link to my what's pitch document be, i was gonna say what's segment two <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's your working what's budget your, per yeah, episode say, what's your cast budget yeah. and are we like how many cameras are we using <laughs> <laughs> um, I've, I've loved the idea of And it, this one probably would involve a little bit of travel mm. But I love the idea of a live I love live you know, That's one of the things I love the most mm-hmm. about Sunrise Is it's live every single day yeah. I love that And I love the idea of doing something live With some pre-recorded elements Possibly travel stuff But then the live stuff is studio Is characters, is crossing to people Live, live with my mum And my mum yeah. is a Loretta is a classic mum like she's not a showbiz person she works at tip top dry cleaners but you would just have her to ask you know whatever she wants to ask i wouldn't have someone write for her or prep her i'd literally let her ask you know she'll ask the mum type questions like she'll ask a big celebrity you know are you eating well (laughs) and i just think that would be so refreshing (laughs) yeah and i think like there's something in that i agree i think people love seeing like i mean one of my favorite letterman segments of all time was like you know like when he would talk to his mum and part of it was because they clearly hadn't loaded her with like comedy lines it was just this guy who otherwise seemed invincible on television suddenly just being completely brought back to earth by the fact that his mum was there and it doesn't matter how big a star you are david letterman that's still your mum yeah you've got a new ep tonight So I think there's something in that. Yeah, um, I agree. Uh, that's like one and travel is actually one of those things I can see. Like particularly maybe even if it is in prime time, like a Netflix or yeah. like those sort of shows, you do have great experience making travel shows. And travel shows are certainly the sort of shows that are still very popular. If you could do something kind of new and interesting, yeah, and that's in that what we try. Like space. we can't, we don't manage it every day, but yeah. we try every day. Like you know, if you're doing hang gliding, or whatever, it's like okay. The, the entry level is to do the hang gliding and right. that, that's going to look great and whatever but what is the mm. what is the kicker so you know when we did it with, with example we met this like big burly bloke and I told him that you know I was a bit uncomfortable about doing it but the music of Shania Twain makes me feel instantly comfortable yeah. and I feel like I'm wrapped in a warm hug mm. would you learn a few Shania Twain <laughs> lines and as we go through the air mm. two men just gliding through the air sing a little bit of From This Moment On and like we go back and forth and he reluctantly agreed to do it and he had a Dutch accent and it was one of my favourite things because it's yeah. like this is so stupid but it's still your travel show right. but it's just got that little yeah. bit of added flavour so essentially your show is just like <laughs> what you normally do but I'd like to do it later in the day <laughs> yeah. and I'd like to not have to include weather or say back to you Koshi but basically <laughs> that's the show <laughs> yeah, that's the show hit me up on Instagram not you yeah clearly <laughs> I can't. I mean, I'm an executive producer of a television show myself. I could probably give you a break, but unfortunately you've blocked me on Instagram when you're willing to block industry heavyweights like myself. I don't believe that for a second. You don't even have furniture in your house. Yeah, it's a good point, actually. I mean, based on the evidence you've seen today. 
All right, Sam Mac, uh, the book is called Accidental Weatherman. Uh, of course, you can catch Sam on the Sunrise program uh, weekdays on the Channel 7 network. Uh, it's a really fantastic show, and your your stuff is really fantastic, Thank particularly you, since you uh, ran Samantha Armitage off the show. <laughs> Personally, your personal feud with Samantha yes. Armitage, covered in the book. You it dish is. all the dirt. Yeah. Actually, none of the dirt, which is very disappointing. <laughs> Turns out it was all fine. Good friends. Loved the banter. <laughs> Boring. <laughs> Can I take that as an official review? Yeah. Put Will it on Anderson, the, on boring. The, yeah, boring. <laughs> One word review. Yeah. Boring. Boring. No, I, I never say Mac pun. I mean, mate, uh, what's a good Mac um, hack? Sam is a... No, Sam no, hack. Sam hack. Yeah, more like <laughs> Sam hack. <laughs> Which, by the way, is short for hack millen. So... <laughs> Um, uh, no, uh, I get you get a ride on the um, uh, time machine again. You, oh, again. Every time you come on the podcast, you get a ride on the time machine. Ooh. So you get to go to somewhere different, which is nice. You can go to the future. You can go to the past. You can go to anywhere in history. You can visit yourself. You can... So uh, free free ride again, anywhere you want to go, yeah. where do you want to go? Well, last time, I don't know if you remember, but I, I went to my parents wedding day mm. i believe um, obviously you remember all 200 examples from all your guests yeah exactly and yeah. i obviously listen back to every episode <laughs> just before and i mean every episode i literally yeah. before every interview i listen to 200 episodes <laughs> just so i can remember what i've asked everybody um this time i think i'd like to go to the future uh-huh. um i would like to go to the um where would i like to go i guess i'd like to go to a special moment in the life of my hypothetical child's, I guess, um, growth. So yeah. whether it's, you know, um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know specifically. What, okay, so hypothetical child. Um, yeah. I was thinking like to see my hypothetical child's first kiss and then I'm yeah. like, no, that's Ooh, unfair. That's, <laughs> that's really creepy. Like, that's really creepy. I'm having my first kiss, but I... <laughs> feel like I'm being visited by a younger version of my dad. Is that a younger version of my dad hiding in the bushes now? Watching my the ghost of Sam kiss. Mack. That's not how you know it. Sounds like a younger version of my dad. But now I'm also realizing that I can go to these things yeah. when I, if I, you know, if I have a oh, child. Oh yeah, technically you so could. So I just could, be I'd just be a bit older. So what a waste. Yeah. What a waste of the machine, the or hypothetical machine. You could be hiding in the bushes with the younger version of yourself going, oh yeah, we both had this idea. I forgot. <laughs> yes. One of me is filming it and the other one's doing a piece yeah. of camera yeah. with them behind me in the background. Um, so <laughs> what would I want to do? This is for my new book, Accidental Voyeur. <laughs> Um, Oh, look, I'm not happy with that answer. Um, I I don't mind the idea of seeing a bit of your child's life. Seeing a special moment in my child's life that you ordinarily wouldn't get to see. first kiss seemed a little bit... Like, let's not go first kiss. Let's not go first kiss. That was real daily. Although, like, my first kiss was like, you know, it was quite pure. And it was like, I was, you know, in year six and it was Nikki. And it was like, if my parents watched that, I wouldn't have been too disappointed. Like, there was nothing untoward about it. Yeah. My second kiss, however, at Sky Show, I did not want them watching that. There was a bit more going on there. Yeah, in Adelaide. Um, So I haven't answered your question. Um, My my first kiss, I wouldn't have wanted my parents late to see. Joe Layton on the couch at Andy Buck's house while watching a uh, uh, horror movie. Were there others still in the room at the time? So people were watching your first kiss? No, everyone was watching the horror movie. Were they though? Yeah, they were, including uh, a friend of mine who was sitting down because we were on the couch and then there was people on the floor as well, you know, like watching the horror movie. 
and one of my friends apparently my foot when we were kissing kept like basically going in front of his face like you know because like my foot would go one way and the other and yeah. just like but he was like so happy that I was getting my first kiss that he didn't say anything about it oh, he what just a good friend. sat there watching the horror movie what for a great like friend. 30 minutes or whatever because like your first kiss like you don't stop with a windscreen like, wiper going over the screen for the entire time it also got foggy in there I imagine um, yeah I, I don't have a great answer which is not a good note to end the I think no. I'll probably go back again yeah. I'll probably go back and see you know what I've always and I did talk about it a little bit in the book like my dad is from Northern Ireland and around the time of the troubles mm-hmm. his his mum my grandma effectively said to him at the age of I think 17 or 18 tomorrow you're going on a ship to Australia just to get out of the troubles of Northern Ireland. I'd love to see dad at that time in his life. He had long hair. He's getting on this ship, going to a country he doesn't know anything about. I'd just love to see what dad was like in that scenario. Yeah. Yeah. That would be super interesting, I think. Okay, good answer. Yeah, we got, got there. there in the end. Yeah. <laughs> and then you kiss in front of him just so that he... <laughs> Daddy just, Mac. Just in case you're into this, a bit of Mac to the future action. Yes. Uh, thank you, Sam Mac. The book is called Accidental Weatherman. I highly recommend it. A uh, couple of mentions of his good friend, Will Anderson, mm-hmm. probably in the sequel, I imagine there'll probably be a little bit more about, you know, the good times he's had with Will and what a great mentor Will was to him and you know, a lot of his success is probably because of... Anyway, whatever. Like those... I assume those things Can you were... see why I blocked him? Can you see it now? Can you get it? Thank you, Sam. Thank you, mate.